I guess that's not really a question that you're really going to share. Let's have a conversation. I'm really glad all, all of you guys are here uh, this morning. Uh, if you're new to Church in the Valley, um, I'm going to give you the update that people who are regulars at Church in the Valley are kind of tired of, of hearing. But the reason I'm hobbling up on the stage is I ruptured my Achilles in May. I re-ruptured it in September. And um, I've been in a cast uh, for the last six weeks. Uh, on Tuesday, I have an appointment with my orthopedic doctor, and he's going to be testing things out. And Lord willing, if everything goes well, um, I'll be in a walking boot, which means I'll have two legs instead of one again. And so I'm, uh, I'm excited about that, but don't know for sure if that's going to happen. So I'd appreciate your prayers. Um, I recently, just last night, got back from a trip to uh, Fort Worth, Texas for a conference, and it was really helpful. But there's traveling, and then there's traveling with one leg. And it was, it was really interesting. I was like that pre-group, you know? There's the group one, and then there's the pre-group. And I was, I was on that. I was in that group. I got to go a little early, uh, early on the flight. Uh, but, it, but it went well. And so my, my progress is continuing to, 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 be, uh, to be good. Um, but I do appreciate all the, all the prayers uh, and healing. And uh, as I shift kind of to get it back in the walking boot, now it's going to be the time for the physical therapy, the strengthening, all that mobility stuff. So if you think about it, um, I'd appreciate just the continued prayer as uh, we're going to try round two of healing. So uh, we've been in a, the middle of a series on uh, a person from the New Testament, uh, somebody who's had tremendous influence. You'll see a picture of him um, called Paul there, and he, he has written two-thirds of the New Testament, which is uh, really the account of Jesus Christ on the earth and then also the account of uh, the early church and the spread of Christianity. And Paul uh, was someone who was in the midst of this new movement coming up called Christianity. And he was a Jew, and in the beginning of his life, uh, he was kind of the Jew above all Jews. And we looked at kind of his life, and he, he had influence, and he had power. And then uh, God got a hold of him and basically called him out and said, why, why are you persecuting uh, my, my church? Why are you persecuting Christians? And he became a Christian himself. So the very person who was against the spread of Christianity became a Christian, and he spent the rest of his life, once God got a hold of him, once God got his attention, uh, in really how, how does he help uh, people come to know Jesus Christ? And so the first week we talked about his own journey, how he moved from really doing his own thing and having his own priorities to how God got his attention and, and how he shifted his priorities and really how that made a tremendous difference in his life and how that made a tremendous difference even on Christianity that we experience today. Uh, last week, we talked specifically about the fact that he gave his life to wanting to help people come to know Jesus Christ, to move like he did from his own way and actually to go the way that God has laid out for all those who follow him, a, a way that's actually at times uh, hard and difficult, but that also leads to tremendous blessing. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. It's this idea of whatever he says that we need to do, um, I'm, I'm going to do. And I'm going to I'm going to make decisions and I'm going to choose priorities based on what God wants. So today we're going to kind of connect some of those dots. And how does a person like Paul, who was the start of something that in the beginning it was under terrible persecution, uh, people came against him. He experienced tremendous ups and tremendous downs. How did he actually uh, keep on going? Because it's one thing to say it's really easy to say, like, 
God was the most important thing to his life. And he put the mission first. And if you're a Christ follower, you, you hope that's, that's true of you as well. You know, you want to be all in if you're going to be in. And Paul was that way. But it's one thing to kind of look at that and see that that was what he said. But today we're going to look at how was that so? How was that actually a reality? Where did he get his power from? And so we're going to just look at some specific uh, passages of Scripture that Paul wrote to give the clue into how he connected with God and how he actually got power to do what God had asked him to do. And so today's message is called uh, The Source. And it's this idea of where, where does the source of his, his power uh, come from? I want to show a map that we looked a video at the first week. And if you could put that on the screen, all those lines represent his different missionary journeys. And it's hard to kind of tell. You say, okay, there's a lot of like lines and there's kind of lands that somewhat look familiar. You see Italy on the top left. You're like, okay, that's Italy. I know where that is. And then you can see Asia and Libya down there at the bottom in Egypt. And but what you, that represents is that was Paul's life. As best as it can be pictured, that was his life. Each one of those lines represents him taking a faith step, deciding that he was going to risk his life to tell people about Jesus Christ. To help people who decided to follow Jesus Christ. This represents his life. So he had tremendous influence. And the reason all those lines and all those journeys are so important is because if he not, had not done that, the spread of Christianity would have taken a different turn. And God's still in control. And Lord willing, I'm sure we'd still be reached here today, but that God used Paul. And so we're going to look at all those decisions and all those journeys. How, how did that actually happen? And so I want to tie into this kind of an answer to a question. And that, that's, what was, what was Paul's secret? And anytime you ask that, a lot of times you're like looking for this, the magic kind of formula for something. You know, when somebody finds something, you're like, wow, they're, they're eating better and they seem to be getting healthy and you want to know, like, what's, what's their secret? Or they're, they're financially sound and they're doing well and they have success. Like, what's, what's their secret? There's a sense in which we always want to know what makes people successful. We do. And a lot of times we're actually willing to pay for things, right? Have you ever kind of somebody told you about something that's really helpful and they read a book? What's the thing you want to do? You want to buy the book. They have an experience and they went somewhere and it was really like meaningful for them. They tell you about this vacation that they went. What do you want to do? You kind of want to look it up. Well, what, what, like, what are the deals to that place? There's a part of this element where as people have success and people kind of have this sense of well-being, we, we're, we're definitely attracted to that. We, we want that ourselves. And for the Christian, Paul's life is the same. But what's interesting is through all the success he had, he actually had a tremendous amount of suffering and pain. And so sometimes when you ask the secret, you're kind of like, what's the secret to all the good times? But at the same time, how do I avoid all that like shipwrecked and beating stuff that he experienced in his life? And our life isn't going to be exactly like Paul because we're in a developed world. And our journeys are not going to be the same where we're going to be riding ships throughout all these areas. We may, but those are called cruises and we pay thousands of dollars for them. So today's world is different than the world he lived in. And Paul is different from us. But... How did he live his life under amount of tremendous pressure in a way that actually made a difference in the world? How did he make a difference? And it begins with this idea that Paul turned to God to prayer in everything.
he turned to God in prayer for everything that he encountered in his life. As he faced good times, as he faced bad times, he turned to God. And so the source of his power and the source of his success is majorly tied to the example of his life and what he actually did. He continually turned to God. I want to share a story with you, but before I do that, I want to give just a brief, a brief background. Uh, it's a story of Paul's second missionary journey. And he's trying to, again, go to regions where people had never heard of what it means to be a Christian. And there's some of those areas that still exist today. There's people in the world that have never heard about Jesus Christ. There's people in the world who have never held a Bible and read a Bible in their language. And what you find is as you walk with God and you jump into the scripture, you see that there's a tremendous amount of commandments to tell us that we need to go and tell people about Jesus. That's what we looked at last week. And so Paul, he, he took that to heart. He wanted to let people know. And he was going to regions that had never heard about Jesus Christ. Or maybe they had heard about this Christianity thing, but they, they didn't really know what it was. There was no real feat to it. It was just maybe a movement of just some different kinds of people. And so Paul just went to all these different regions. Well, on his second missionary journey, he went to an area that had tremendous influence. And he decided that if, if, if I could go to this area and people could begin to, to follow Jesus Christ and maybe a few would decide to follow him, what could that do for the, the spread of Christianity? And how many people could come and decide that, that they want to, to follow Jesus Christ? And so he went to this area and he had a, a buddy, Silas, and, and they had to travel here and they began to, to get their bearings and try to figure out what was happening. And you find this in the book of Acts. Acts has got a lot of uh, the story of the historical spread of, of Christianity. And so in Acts uh, chapter 16, um, I'm tying it on the back end, but there's a sense of they've gone to this area and they met this name, lady named Lydia. And she was an influential woman. And they just began, well, we're just going to meet people and we're just going to begin to tell them about Jesus. And it's been a long journey and we didn't come here for nothing. Let's start sharing about Jesus Christ, the fact that he came and he lived a perfect life, he was crucified, that he rose again, and he has the power to change lives. He has the power to forgive sins. Let's begin to tell people about that. And so they began to kind of go in this area and talk to people, and they met this lady named Lydia, and she became very receptive. And in fact, she invited them. Could you imagine just strangers that appeared from a different land came to her and told her about something that she had never heard, and she was receptive. It appealed to her. So much so that she invited them, these messengers, to, to her house. And in the scriptures, what you find in the book of Acts is that her, her heart was open and her whole family came to Jesus Christ and they were baptized. They decided that what these guys are talking about and what they're giving their life to, I want to give my life to as well. And it, it, it sounds like, how could, that, how could that ever happen? But you see there's something that's happening here, and that's the power of God. That's what we talked about last week. The reason that people decide to follow Jesus is not because they get to a point where it just seems like a great idea. They get to the point where the power of God compels them. And he changes them. And he draws them. And Paul, Silas, they were a part of this. But what began to happen as people were hearing this message, like you see again and again in the scriptures, people got nervous. If people were not following Jesus Christ yet, and they kind of were seeing, they had this established order, and they had their own ways, and then these two men came and began to say how Jesus frees you, 
and you can live for him and you don't have to be scared and you don't have to be fearful and you can actually have hope for the first time and people began to change their ways and people who were sinning were no longer sinning and what was happening is it was kind of transforming the cities in which these men were going throughout all the journeys and so they they faced a tremendous amount of persecution and opposition because people were changing and that made people very nervous the authorities just started to say okay there's some things happening and all the systems that we have in place seemed like they might be in jeopardy and so on the second missionary journey they got to this point where people like lydia were becoming saved and deciding to change their life and then the people in the area decided you know this these guys these these people from a distant land let's they can't do this anymore. And I, I want to pick up the story in, in chapter 16, verse 20. The whole story is through 33, but I won't read that far. And it says, And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. So these guys can't, they can't do this anymore. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. So basically they're saying they're foreigners. We can't let these foreigners influence our Roman city. We're powerful. We have authority. We have influence. Everyone in the world wants to be like us. They adopt us and our principles and our standards. We don't adopt theirs. And so they're just drawing this line. This can't, this can't happen. Then the crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. So if you could imagine, they've had this long journey and Paul is compelled. Jesus told me to go. Share this news about Jesus Christ to the non-Jewish world. To places like Rome and Italy. And I'm sure that the journey was rough. And we find in the scriptures that it was rough. They, they faced many shipwrecks and many problems just on the, the ships themselves. Just traveling. So the traveling is rough. And then when they get there and they begin to share the message, some people accepted it and some people rejected it. But it wasn't just like, I don't like your ideas. It's like, I don't like your ideas, and I don't like you. And in fact, we're going to beat you. How does that sound? Aren't you glad you came? You could imagine they're thinking, is that ship still in the dock? And how far is it from right here? Those are the thoughts that I I would encounter. And then it goes on. And when they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely, Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet feet in the stocks. So the idea is, not only were they going to get put into prison, but just for good measure, before they ever got there, they were going to get beaten pretty good. So as they're sitting in prison, you know, they just, they're tore up. They have blood, they're, they're bruised, they're battered, and now they're, they're in jail. And the story goes on. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners We're listening to them. Okay, it's really easy, verse 25 right there, to just read that as the narrative, which it is. It's part of the story. But people who had just, Paul and Silas, who had just traveled all that way, tremendous journey, to only be beaten and imprisoned, and then the scriptures let us know what what was their reaction. And verse 25 explains it. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. That is an amazing picture of what these two men were about. 
they decided in the midst of everything, they weren't going to try to escape. They weren't trying to figure out how to get the, the shackles off of them. They weren't just lying on the ground, just moaning like, why didn't we stay home? They, they turned to God and they prayed and they sang hymns. And the prisoners were listening. I love that last part, the prisoners were listening. You get the sense that, okay, these men, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're foreigners. They're sharing a message we've never heard. And for what they shared, they're in the same jail with us. I mean, they got beaten pretty bad. And you imagine just all the prisoners just looking at them. Man, I wonder what those guys are going to do. I wonder how long they're going to be in here with us. I wonder what they're going to say. Are they going to talk to us? Are they going to try to interact? And then it happens. They pray and sing to God, and all the prisoners are just, oh, that's what they're going to do. It's profound. And the story continues. Or it may not. Am I ending at 25? I think I am. What's next? You have to read verse 26. So about midnight, so at the end, you know, at the end of this long day, they decided, it's, let, let's, let's turn this over to God. And it was so interesting because in my own life, when I face things that are beyond me, things that are hard, things that are difficult, things that I don't want, uh, usually it's not, I've, usually, I've actually never been beaten. Well, I got in trouble a few times, but it wouldn't be called beaten. But I've never experienced this. I've never experienced what they had. I mean, I've experienced much less. And when I look at my reflex, you know, your reflex is what you do. Like when something happens, how do you react? And you don't have time to think. What's your reflex? When things go bad, what's your reflex? And for these men, their reflex was they turned to God. They looked to him. Not only did they look to him and pray, but they, they sang to him. There's a sense of like, let's sing praises to God. Let's thank him for who he is. It's amazing when I look at just my own reactions to things. A lot of times, this isn't my first reflex. And I began to think, well, what, what are our initial reflexes normally in life? Something terrible happens. You get in a car accident. What do you do? You get sick. What do you do? Somebody's hurt you. And they've caused some tremendous pain for you. What do you do? You're stressed out at work because of all the things you have on your plate. What do you do? A lot of times for me, I just think about it. Man, this is, this is rough. If I keep thinking about it, maybe it won't be as rough. But it's rough right now. I just think. And sometimes if it's just beyond me and I can't think anymore about it, it's like, well, let me, let me talk to somebody. I just got to tell, tell somebody. Just got to let them know this happened and I just need to tell somebody. The things that we do when bad things happen, when pressures are on us, when we're anxious, that shows what's really important to us. When the pressure's on, and you react, how you react shows what's important. That's what Paul showed us. So in all the things that he said, the account of his life is proof that when things were tremendously difficult, what he was talking about was real. Because his life 
backed it up. You know, when things get beyond us, it's like, okay, I need to talk to this person. I need to try to come up with this strategy. And all that can be helpful. But what Paul's showing us is that the first thing he did was he, he, he turned to God. That was, that was his, his reflex. That's what he decided to do. And it's fascinating because there, I think, that gives us a big picture into the influence that he had. And so that's that idea. You, you just turn to God and everything. Now, I think... For most people, we'll turn to God. But sometimes we turn to God as a last resort. We do. I've tried that, didn't work. Tried that, didn't work. I talked to that person, didn't help. Went to that counseling, didn't help. Moved there, didn't change. Tried different job, didn't make it any better. And, you know, we just go to all these different scenarios, all these different formulas to try to fix our, our lives. So I think there's something in us that... We're willing to turn to this higher power. We're willing to just check out if God is real. But usually that's after we've done everything. I want to show a clip from the movie Gravity that shows this. And you you see it in movies a lot. A lot of movies aren't aren't spiritual. Like it's not a religious movie. It's not really a, a movie that has anything to do with God. But every movie has something that's very difficult the characters face. Usually that's kind of what makes it compelling. You know, you're, you're getting to know the characters. They face this tremendous problem. And then you're, you want to follow them. How, how are they going to solve this problem? But in many movies, when the characters face these problems, they actually turn to God. And it's like, God, you know, I, I don't know if you're out there, but I could really use your help right now. So even just in the movies, there's a sense of you just get to that point where you've tried everything and God's your only help. I want to show this clip from Gravity. If you haven't seen it, it's actually a very interesting movie, but this is Sandra Bullock, and she's just floating in space, and she's facing death. So if we could watch that. Oh, I'm dying, I know, we're all going to die. Everybody knows that. But I'm going to die today. that, you know, to know. But the thing is, is that I'm still scared. I'm really scared. Nobody will mourn for me. No one will pray for my soul. Will you mourn for me? Will you say a prayer for me? Or is it too late? Uh, I mean, I'd say one for myself, but I've never prayed in my life, so. Nobody ever taught me how. It's actually, it's, it's very compelling because she's kind of facing just her last moments on, I almost said on earth. <laughs> I always say that. Her last moments in outer space. And, and she just got to the point where she's just kind of thinking all the big things that we tend to wonder about in the last times. Like, no one's, no one's going to pray for my soul. And I, I can't even pray. No, no one ever taught me how. So interesting because 
They put that in there because it, it does resonate. It's like all on the line. And she's just now trying to just evaluate. Is there a God out there? And if he is, maybe I should pray to him. But I don't know how. But this is a lot of the reference point that, that, that we have as humans. We kind of want to live our life. We want to do our own thing. And then we get to certain points where now we're willing. If we're dire enough, maybe there is a God. And so what Paul's showing us is that that, that can't actually be. If you really actually want to live life and experience power and traction and being able to actually please God, it, it can't be a last resort. It has to be the first reflex. The good news is, is Paul gave us examples that we are supposed to pray in, in times of trouble too. Just like what our character is facing. When we are in trouble, we need to pray because we actually do need to turn to God and everything. And Paul gave some examples of that I just want to, to share with you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. This is a, a letter he's writing to the church of Corinth, the church that he started. And he writes this. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Have you ever received a letter from anyone that's like, Hey, how you doing? I'm really not good. My life stinks, and I think we might die. I mean, this is like, he's laying it all on the line. He's not trying to, like, sugarcoat this. He's just, life is really, 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 really terrible. Then he says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. By him saying, but God who raises the dead, he's pointing to the power aspect again. Remember Jesus who we're all following and we're all doing these things and we're trying to build this church that he wants us to build and this movement of Christianity. The whole reason is because of that last point. Because of Jesus who was raised from the dead. And then it goes on. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we've set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So he's saying this, this situation is terrible. And we've faced terrible situations before. And God has always delivered us. Why? Because he has the power to turn the most awful situations that we're facing into things that he'll use for our good. And then this last part is connecting it to life. Because we're turning to him for help in times of trouble. And as you're praying, your prayers are also making a difference. So he's like inspiring them. And he's encouraging them. All the things that we're facing. As you pray, God acts. He will help us. He has delivered us and he will deliver us again. So whenever you face trouble, again, the question is, what do you do? And who do you turn to? What's your first reaction? Paul's saying here, you want to go to the person who has the most power to help you. And it's not the government. And it's not your parents. It's not your kids. It's not your friends. It's not your neighbors. Because verse 25 says we rely not on ourselves 
but on God who raises the dead. There's only one person who does that. And that's who we're supposed to turn turn to. Then the second part that Paul tells us is, so you pray in everything. Well, that means not only in times of trouble, but all the time. And he lived this as well. There's a verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Sometimes if you read the Bible and you read things like that, Okay, that kind of sounds interesting, a little poetic. Rejoice always. You know, I could put that on like a frame inside my house, put a nice image to it, post it on Facebook. But when you really read that, rejoice always. Huh? What? Always? Pray without ceasing. It, it, It can sound actually absurd. Because we don't have a category for that. But what Paul's describing here is there's this, this idea that as you walk with God and as you choose to become a Christian and you walk with him and you continue to grow in him, over time, you have this relationship with him that he is the closest source and the closest relationship you have above all other. This idea of pray without ceasing... It's this continual communication, this continual, all the reflexes point back. What does God want me to do? I need to ask God for help in this. I need God to help this person. I need God in this situation. It's this just this continual reference point. It all turns back to God. That's the source of the power. And it got me thinking about communication in general. The amount of communication we have today with humans is incredible. I don't know if you've ever just wondered, but if you're a texter, have you ever thought that you would text and communicate with somebody so much? Now, I'm not going to do a little survey like how many texts do you send a day, but I'd like to probably think that in this room, we send a lot of texts. And there's two types of people, like those who text a lot and those who don't, right? Right? But even the ones that don't, they're kind of forced to because the people you relate to, all they do is text. You don't have to text them. You just won't know them anymore. Right? That's, that's kind of the world we live. So it's like text, just flying back and forth, flying back and forth, text, text, text. It's, it's crazy. Like, I don't like to talk on the phone much, but like, I'll text. But I never thought that I'd get to a point where I like to do that. And especially if you're texting with somebody and... You know, they're making, you know, they're, how are you doing? I'm doing good. And emoticon, then an emoticon, and then it's like 17 emoticons. You're just like, this is awesome communication. <laughs> Ten years ago, what? It would, like, we'd never think that was real. And that's what Paul's describing. It's, you get to this point in a relationship. Like, if, it, if it's something that is real, you, you, want to, you want to be continually talking with. And that's what prayer is. It's not just throwing these statements out to this higher being, hoping he listens. That's what Paul's describing. You're giving thanks in all circumstances. Everything you're facing, you're, you're seeing God is, is at work. And God will help. And your hope and your, your joy are in him. 
I want to pull out a, a sheet for you. Uh, it's in your handout if you have a program. If you don't, there's some more programs back there. Somebody can get them for you as well. But there's a prayer guide. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But in the prayer guide, what we've done is if, if you're not a praying person and you, you just find it hard to pray and you're not even sure what you should say, we, we've taken some prayers that are found in the Bible and the categories of those prayers. And you don't have to just say that, you know, read that, the, the scriptures, but you could. If you don't know what else to say, you could just read it. But it's also a guide, like, well, how, how, do we, how, do we pray things, how do we pray things to God? And so I just want to walk through this real briefly. Uh, when making decisions, I don't know about you, but I have to make decisions all the time. What do I do first when making a decision? It's the same thing. What do I do first when I experience anxiety? What Paul's life shows us and the lives of so many who follow Jesus is you turn to God. So if you have a decision to make, you can ask God for help. You can actually ask him to give you wisdom to make the right decision. A relationship with God is in the day-to-day, decision-by-decision moments. But he's only involved in your decisions is as you face them, you ask him for help. That's how it works. Uh, when confidence is needed, if, you, if you're ever to the point where you just don't have strength, you don't have hope, you don't know how anything's going to turn out, and you, you just need some confidence, you need help, uh, you can pray that. Uh, if you need understanding, on the backside, for the best outcomes, if you, things, if you need things to turn out in a certain way, um, if you're trying to just share pe- like with people about the difference that Jesus has made in, in your life, and you really want to share with them, God's given you a heart to do that, you can pray and God will open doors. Uh, just for, for your own ministries, you're just trying to help people. And here at Church in the Valley, prayer is real. I'm praying all the time that God will allow us to reach this community. That God will strengthen all of you. That God will allow us to be a place where people can come and discover that Jesus is real. These are all things that, that I'm praying about. When I face things in my family, I'm always battling just that reflex of my own strategy, my own planning, my own resources. And over time, what I've discovered is as those things come and I want to go to my own strength, I have that choice. And it's usually in just a split second. God, help me not to rely on my own strategies right now, but help me to rely on you. And I need your help. And that's what, that's what Paul shows us. And what you find over time is prayer fuels two important areas of life our spiritual growth, and our influence. So all these things, all these categories on this sheet, and I encourage you to use this. You know, keep this a place where you can just, as you're praying through things, use this as, as a guide, as a model. As you're trying to grow spiritually, you, you know, you're trying to kind of figure out how to turn more of your life over to Christ, or maybe you've not even done that before, and you're just trying to figure out what it looks like. Prayer is one of those things that as you pray and ask God for help, He actually helps us. And he actually meets us right where we are. So if you have bad habits that you're trying to overcome, pray. Ask God for help. If you have conflict in relationships, the relationships are messed up, pray. Ask God for help. If you're stressed out, if you're overwhelmed, spiritual growth comes not from having no problems, but in the midst of the problems. We learn to rely on God.
That's how he grows us. And then the second part of that is, is influence. If you actually want to help people learn what it means to walk with God, you can't do that outside of prayer with God. You can't. If you have a heart for people and you see them struggling with things and you see them just kind of just tired and overwhelmed by the problems they face, you don't have what they need. Only God does. And God will use you as you turn to him and ask him for help. So I want to encourage you. Think through your reflexes and your reactions. Whatever you face, who do you turn to first? What do you turn to? And maybe today could be an opportunity for you to begin to just look to God first. And what you'll find is over time as you do that, you're going to form new habits. And you're not going to be as anxious as you, was before, as you were before because you know God will take care of it. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, as I wrap up, there's some next steps that you can take today. And we talk about this every week. And the reason next steps are helpful is because at Church in the Valley, we don't just want to be people that know more things, but we actually want to do the things that we know. And so there's a couple next steps on your connection card. So if you pull out your connection card that John had you fill out, uh, finish filling that out if you haven't yet. And then we're going to be receiving our offering in a moment. And you can drop that filled out connection card uh, in there. But there's two next steps today. The first is uh, use, use the prayer guide. If, if you've just never really thought about prayer in categories, uh, use the prayer guide that's in there this week as you're facing maybe one of those categories. Maybe it's the unknown. Maybe it's uh, in decision making. But, but use that for help. And then the second step is, is maybe you actually just need to pray for the most pressing need that you have. You've maybe thought about it a lot. You may be worried about it a lot. You may be talked to other people about it a lot. But maybe it's time to pray and ask God about it. And so you can just fill in there. What, what's the most pressing need you're facing right now? And pray to God about it. Uh, as I wrap up, speaking of prayer, I want to let all you know about an opportunity to pray for a couple of mission teams that we have uh, going out. And it, it's kind of neat because as we've talked about Paul... And what he's given his life to, that's the same thing that the church is supposed to do today. And we have two people uh, that are going on a couple teams uh, in the next two weeks um, to Thailand and to Germany. And so I, I want to invite John Ricker and Carrie Smith up. And I would like to pray for them and as a church pray for them. And um, Carrie Smith is going to be going to Bonn, uh, Germany. And she's going to leave uh, on Saturday. Is that right, Carrie? So less than a week. And then a week after that, John Rickert is going to be going to Chiang Mai, uh, Thailand. And so, Carrie, if you wouldn't mind just sharing with everybody what, what you're going to be doing so we can know uh, kind of how to pray for you. Sure. I'm Carrie, and I'm going to be joining four people from CIV East, and we're going to be helping out at a university mission um, called Connection. Connection was started in 2002, and... The ministry in Bonn was actually started in 2013, and the group from CIV actually went out and helped them start that. What we're going to be doing is facilitating relationships between university students who do not yet know Christ with Christian German university students there. So we're going to be basically raising awareness of the Connection Ministry. We're going to be holding events which aren't 
explicitly Christian, but just allowing Christian university students to meet non-Christian university students in a relaxed setting. Um, we're going to be gathering contact information from the relationships that we do make and getting people in contact with Christian university students so that after we leave, these relationships can continue and hopefully people will come to Christ through it. I'm Jonathan, and um, as Alex said, I'm going to be going to Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I'm actually joining a team of four churches, so I'm going to be joining with some of our members from out in uh, Diamond Bar with Church in the Valley, also some people from out in Orange Crest Community um, Church, from Chico Community Church, and then also from Hope out in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, And what our goal is, is really we're putting on a conference to really try to encourage and refresh Um, a lot of the missionaries and their families that are over in that area. And so we're going to be having a conference on the um, attitudes of success, which are five attitudes that the Bible identifies that if you practice practice them, you'll find success in life. And that's fear of the Lord, trust in the Lord, patience, teachability, and humility. Um, And so we're going to be putting on a conference for the pastors, for their wives, and for their kids. And really, as I said, just trying to refresh and encourage them um, as they do their work over there. And then we're also going to have some opportunity to reach out to um, some of the Thai people near the border of Laos um, while we're there as well. Great. Anytime you you, you leave your house, uh, you're you're actually on mission for God. If you're a Christ follower, if you go to the store, uh, you're on mission for God. If you go to the gas station, you go to the, you know, your work everywhere. And, And these guys... They're doing the same thing, but they're going into places that they do not know. And so there's, there's just a lot more unknown. And with that, uh, there's just a lot of situations in which we need God's help. And so as we're talking today, um, I just, as you know, the pastor, wanted to pray for, for both of you. And, and if you could, uh, church, if you could continue just over the next really three to four weeks, uh, pray for uh, John and Carrie and pray for uh, their teams that, that they're on that really... God's will will be done, and that they'll really help advance uh, the kingdom in those regions that they go. So will you join me with prayer? As I pray, the band's going to come up, and then we're going to receive our offering, and we'll be wrapping up our service. Let's pray. God, we do thank you that as we call out to you just right now, we know that you hear us, and you have the power to change lives, ourselves, the lives of others, and the lives of people throughout the world. And so I pray for John as he travels to Thailand, uh, just that him and his team will accomplish your will. They'll keep in step with your spirit. They'll rely on you moment by moment. As they get tired, uh, they'll turn to you for strength. As they're facing things they don't know, they'll turn to you who knows. And so I pray, God, that you'll give them success. Help them to give refreshment and encouragement to the different people that they interact with. I pray that there'll be light uh, in the darkness And I pray, God, for unity in the name of Lord Jesus, that you'll really grant them success. Pray also for Carrie as she travels to Germany. And I pray that you'll help both of them in their travels, and Carrie specifically, that you'll help her to connect with a variety of students, for the whole team to be able to be good bridge people and to explain what it means to to walk with you and to know you. And that students will will hear uh, just about these group of Christians and that you'll compel them. And so we pray that you'll soften their hearts and all the people that they interact with, uh, whether it's Thailand, Germany, and even here, God, I pray that you'll 
you'll help us to rely on your power moment by moment. So we pray for these trips in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.